Day in Showbiz. I'm Justin Sorvillo. What a guest I have on today. She has done so much stuff. I was like, wait, oh my God. I was scrolling through like, holy shit. Um, so <laughs> let me tell you about her. Her name is Candace Keita. Shortly after arriving in Los Angeles, Candace became a series regular lead in all 40 episodes of Fox TV's The Masked Rider. She went on to take series regular roles in Son of the Beach on the FX network, Running with Scissors on the Oxygen Network, and Dance Fever on ABC Family. Her most notable series recurring role was on ABC's Complete Savages, portraying Mel Gibson's ill-fated girlfriend, Misty, doomed to die a new and horrible death at the end of each episode. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> As a guest star, Candace's credits include Nip Tuck, Two and a Half Men, The Wayans Brothers, VIP, Method and Red, Smith, Pepper Dennis, Quintuplets, Girlfriends, Fissity, and even Stevens, to name a few. One of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> On the big screen, Candace can be seen in the Adam Sandler and Kevin James comedy, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. She also appeared in The Bad News Bears with Billy Bob Thornton and Greg Kinnear. Stealing Time with Jennifer Garner and Barb Wire with Pamela Anderson. Candace has appeared in more than a dozen national commercials for brands such as Sprite, Coke, IBM, AIG, and MSN. She has also served as an official spokesperson in several spots for the Food Network, HGTV, and DIY. As a model with the prestigious print agency Wilhelmina, Candace walked the catwalk for Diesel, XOXO, and Brighton, among others. Candace is the founder of Hotties with a Heart, an organization that brings together young women who donate their time to various charities throughout the United States. Recent events have included Read Across America, the Boys and Girls Club, the Salvation Army, and the Bob Hope USO. She also hosts a weekly radio show in Los Angeles, Hottie Help with Candace Keita. Wow, so much stuff. Please welcome Candace Keita. Yay! Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming on here. I'm so glad that we could connect and we could make this happen. This is really fun. Really, really, really cool. I'm so thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a resume like that, there's, I know there's a lot of rough day and showbiz stories. And I know you have many to tell, including one that you sent me and you were like, oh my God, this just happened to me. Your podcast just happened to me. I had a situation in December, which is only two months ago. And I booked, I was really at the time thinking, oh, I'm so lucky I booked this. It's a pilot for a major network. I can't say anything because I'm under a non-disclosure right now. It hasn't come out. It's going to be series and it's a reoccurring character. Everybody, my agent, my manager, everybody's so excited. And I play basically one of the main people that's always with the main character on the show. And so I was so excited. And I was originally, and I say originally, I was on for two weeks and I filmed for two weeks on this project, big, big budget project, big name director, big name actors in the project. And that's all I can say. And then I was in like 11 scenes and I was like, you know what? I can handle this. This is great. I'm really excited. I'm thrilled, you know, got Hell my yeah. hair done, got my nails done and, you know, got the spray tan and all that kind of stuff ready to go. Then the first day, this is where it all went awry is I woke up in the morning on my first day, ready to go. I'm so excited. And I looked and there were revisions and I thought, oh, okay, I'll just look, you know, there's like uh, blue pages, not a big deal. Open them up. Mm. Everything had changed. Everything. Ah! 
on my first day. And I had this big scene with the main person. And it was a huge chunk of dialogue where I guess they were using my character to be able to put forward a lot of information, you know? Oh, so I don't was, we love that? Yeah, I was the person <laughs> that they were putting forth a ton of information in this very dramatic scene. And uh, so I got up and I was laying in bed with the computer and I yelled to my partner, I said, Help! <laughs> I yelled to another room. I go, oh no! And he came running in, and he's like, "What?" And I said, "Oh, it's this is an emergency. Uh, I don't even know what to do." And he was like, "Calm down, calm down." And I was like, "I've got to even. I've got to get to set. I, I have to get ready and just go. I don't have time to learn this. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a nightmare." And he goes, "We can get it." So we worked on it. I got dressed. I went to set, and you the set was on a location so they had to shuttle me like 45 minutes to the location from base camp so by the time i get there i get on set i meet the main person she runs lines with me and it's slow so we were like i can get it and i get on set and the director who's a very well-known director who's super nice goes you know what in regards to your character she says the lines as fast as she can so what i want you to do is say the lines as fast as you can oh I was like, what? Yes. Go. And I was like, holy shit. I don't even know the lines. So, <laughs> so I was trying to do the lines and I couldn't get them. And then, so then three people come up to me and they say, you know what? Uh, take this part out, then take the bottom, push it up there, and then add a couple lines here and say this at the end. Oh. So they changed it on set even. And then I couldn't even visually see because they were telling me what to do. And they go, okay, look, we're going to run it again. And I was like, huh? What just, what? Like, I wasn't even sure what was going on. And I couldn't get it, obviously. So then they said, let's have the script supervisor come and she'll help you with the lines and you'll get it. And I was like, I, I don't even know what's going on because I don't even know the lines in the first place. Okay, ready? Here we go. Let's do it again. And I couldn't get it. And I kept messing up and I kept messing up. And by then I was getting so stressed out because I knew everybody in the video village was watching this. Yeah. Yeah, I knew. And I was like, this is my first scene on my first day. Nobody knows that the script was changed. They all just think that I can't do my job. They oh. think I'm an actor who had the script who doesn't know what they're doing. I didn't even think of that. Like, they don't even know that all this stuff know. happened. They, they're they just seeing the end result, right? So they yeah. just think, oh, she didn't memorize. She didn't memorize this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And when I first got there that morning, the first AD handed me the size and she was like, you're the lucky one. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, all your dialogue got changed. And I go, I know. She was aware of it. But I think everybody oh. was there wasn't aware. So then finally, somehow I kind of made it through the scene, but it wasn't right. And it was terrible. I know it was terrible. And um, so then the DP, who was so nice, he came up to me. He stuck with me for the two weeks. And I appreciate it. He goes, you know what? This happens to everyone. And I go, this has never happened to me before. And he goes, you've got to shake this off. you got to shake it off. And you got to let it go and just go to the next scene and when you come back tomorrow it's just like it never happened he goes it happens to everybody it happens to even me in my position and i was like thank you so much he was so supportive the wow. next day he gave me a big hug he goes how are you doing today candace and i'm like i'm doing good but i'm like shell-shocked and i didn't <laughs> yeah i didn't sleep the whole night i stayed oh, awake i'm sure yeah i stared at the ceiling the whole it, night you're, you're living a nightmare i was living the nightmare yeah. you know what it's like you know when you uh, dream that you um, studied for the final, but that the alarm didn't go off and you missed yep. your final in school? Yep. It was like living this nightmare, and I didn't know how to get out of it. So every day I had to come to set and smile 
and pretend like nothing was going on, knowing that there's probably a lot of people in that video village that hate me. Right. So, Just yeah. fully confident, like, yeah. And I have to pretend I'm like, great. hey, yeah, it's a great day. <laughs> I'm at the top of my game. Yeah. If anything, I noticed that the hair and makeup and wardrobe people, they were so stressed out. And they were telling me that they've never had such a difficult set. The wow. last the last day we were there, there were so many people with a cast and crew was 500. 500, 500 people. Yeah. It's that big of a project. That's so it's nuts. Yeah. So it was really stressful. So then the scary part was that because I messed up so badly, then every day when we were getting revisions, my scenes were getting cut. So I noticed it was the shame, oh. humiliation, embarrassment of noticing that they were cutting me out of everything. They were cutting me out and cutting me out. And then this one scene with 500 people, they actually gave my dialogue. They reincorporated my dialogue into the main person's dialogue. Oh. So now I'm walking with her and the dialogue that I would be saying, she was saying. And so I actually apologized to her. And she's such a great person. I said, I am so sorry, because now you have to memorize my dialogue, too. I feel terrible about this. And she grabbed my hand, and we both laughed and laughed and laughed. And it helped so much that she was okay with it. I felt so bad about it. So from you know the amount of scenes that I had, it got cut down to almost nothing. And people are like, oh, you may still come back. And I go, no, I'm not coming back. Oh. That's it. That was it. You know, oh. I had that series recurring for a big, big network in the palm of my hand. And because that first day and I woke up to so much dialogue change and I couldn't grasp it, they didn't perceive me to be able to do my job. And that that yeah. has never happened in 30 years. So I'm telling people, you know, no matter what, you've got to be like triple prepared, I think. And to really exercise that muscle of memory to be able to do it under pressure, to be able to know that. So, and that if things go wrong, the very last day that DP came up to me and gave me another huge hug and he goes, I know I'll see you again. And don't worry, you know, you just got to let it go. And I, I did, but it was really hard. And I smiled every day though. I came every day and I smiled. And I said hello to everybody and I made jokes with everybody and acted like everything was okay. And I think that's important to be able to, no matter what, still just smile along and know, hey, my dialogue's been taken away. I'm standing here smiling. <laughs> Way to do it. Yeah, because there's, you know, you can sit there and look glower or no. You can smile and don't say, let them see it. Don't let yeah. the bastards see it. Yeah. And so I was smiling and I didn't know who made the decisions. There were so many people on set I couldn't tell. And I just smiled at everybody and made jokes and was a part of everything still. So, oh. yeah, that's basically what we do. We're the front man of chaos. <laughs> exactly. And in the midst of chaos, the thing I could say is to really lean on your friends or your family or other actors that understand. Yeah. Because, you know, you may need that support at that time because my oh, partner yeah. is also a part of yeah, and he was like, you know, you need to get beyond this. You need to show up tomorrow awesome. and smile, act as if it didn't happen. Yeah. And just keep plugging, you know, keep doing for it. two weeks. For two weeks. Oh, my God. It's just torture. After that first day, it's just torture. And But I love that um, you had the, the crew was, you know, there was a lot of camaraderie and you got all that support from them. I yes. think that's really wonderful. 
I was really shocked. And and they were just like, you know, you can do this. And other actors were saying it's happened to everyone. You know, you're not the only one. This has happened to me. A friend of mine who's an actor who was not on this project, he was calling me and saying, you know, it happened to him. And, and so I felt better in the sense I, I felt bad about maybe because I'm Japanese, but I just felt about, bad about letting everybody down. That was my worst feeling is that I didn't perform like I was supposed to, like I did at the audition, you know, mm. just simply because the dialogue was thrown at me in last minute and it was a technical dialogue and I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. So it's never, never happened before. The morning of, yeah, I don't know how that was ever supposed to work. I don't know how that, I hear about stuff all the time where they change it. Oh, by the way, this has to be in Mandarin or <laughs> this has to be in, you were saying it has to be in another, another language, you know, and people do it and I don't know how they do it. I just, I, it boggles my mind. I think I would I, freak out and probably just say, you know what? Um, maybe not. Maybe, maybe just yeah. not show up. You know, how bad could it be? No, no. I was thinking too. I was like, how do I get out of this? I'm living this nightmare. And yeah. I still, once I get done with this day, it's not like it's over. I still have this whole week. I still have yeah. the whole next week. It's a nightmare. I'm, nightmare. I'm never going to Christmas. Like, you know? <laughs> can I fake a COVID test? Can I, I fake a, a positive COVID test? <laughs> I was looking forward to the job, you know? Yeah. And so ironic as I had done uh, two other jobs earlier that year that had crap ton of dialogue and I was fine because I had it and there were very little adjustments. It was just, I wasn't given a huge chunk pages of stuff that came that morning. I wasn't able to do it. So, you know, I get that. Yeah. And it's funny because I was I was telling you earlier on Barbed Wire, which I did years ago, I learned my uh, dialogue in English. Then when I got there, they changed it into Chinese. So I sat in my trailer and memorized it phonetically in Chinese. And then at the last minute, they changed it to French. So when you see the movie, I'm actually speaking in French. And I was able to do it in, in sitting in the trailer and I was okay. This so was what was the, the time period that that took place? It was like, you woke up in the morning and they were like, hey, we changed it to Chinese. Right. And then you were doing that a few hours, I guess, waiting to shoot. And then before you shot, an hour or two before, they were like, oh, by the way, no, it's French now. No, they said to me, do you speak any other languages? And like, I said, I know a little bit of French. And like then while you were doing it or about to, to shoot? Yeah, well, no, in the morning it was English, then they changed it to Chinese. I sat in my trailer and I said those lines over and over and over and over and over and I got them. And then the director says, do you know any other language? And I said, I know a little bit of French. He goes, can you translate this into French? I go, yes. And this is before the days of being able to look up something. Oh. And I was like, yes. So I translated it and it was actually easier for me. And then I went on set and then did it in French. Oh man. Two hours Chinese. Nope. Got to change two hours French. Okay. Let's shoot it. All I did that day, I remember was sitting in my trailer in my bathrobe. I didn't go to lunch with everybody. And I sat there and I learned it and learned it and learned it and learned it. So by the time I got on set, I was okay. So you know was, what? I didn't have time. That's a good lesson though, honestly, for people like, yeah, don't, um, don't be swayed by the fruits of a set, you know, I that know. beautiful lunch and all that. Like, no, don't fuck up. Today is about not fucking up. That's what today is about. It's not yes. it's not about getting crafty. Like, because I would be like, oh, I want a burrito, you know, or maybe I could sneak one. And you brought up a really good point, Justin, and that is I love food too. Yeah. I always, I always want to eat like, oh my gosh, you see this smorgasbord of all this stuff. But Greatest. I remember, don't do it. 
because then at two o'clock in the afternoon, you're digesting all this food and you go into this food coma and you can't think. Can't think. Yeah. You're tired. And you want to nap in your trailer and you can't do it. So always, I always say, resist the food. Yes. The food. Resist the magical treasure foods of the set. Yeah. Chips and all that stuff. Oh yeah. They got donuts. I never even eat donuts, but I've eaten, you know, when I first moved out here a long time ago and I was a teenager, I would do background work and I've never eaten so many donuts in my life than when I did background work. But it was like, they're free donuts and I could eat 10 of them because I'm 18. Yes, this is the greatest day of my life. And the M&Ms. Oh, yeah. Gummy bears. Oh. Huge globs of peanut butter and jelly. Just, you know, you could have three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and just do anything you want. It's free food. I know. Miracle. I know. And it's funny. I was actually working yesterday and then they said, what do you want for lunch? And they had like veggie burgers. I don't eat meat, but they had veggie burgers and French fries. And I wanted all that stuff. And I, instead I got a pita with lettuce, the salad inside and nothing else. Cause I knew, and I want to eat all the other stuff. Yeah. But I knew if I didn't do that, I'd pay for it later. Yeah. Just be going on. Yeah, you got to keep your energy going. On that project in December, the longest day, it was 17 hours. I got there at 6 in the morning. I left at 2 a.m. the next day. So, yeah. So you got to think about, um, I guess, for people that are new in the business, gosh, you just got, there is no eight-hour day. You just have to really, average day is probably 12 hours. You have to keep that energy, you know, all the way through. Even if it's like, I don't like to talk to a lot of people because I'm afraid I'm going to mentally tire myself out, and then I won't be able to remember my lines. Hmm. So I kind of qu- am quiet and say to myself and try to stay focused until that's good insight actually as well. Yeah. And especially if you know, like if your close up is going to be later for whatever reason, the positioning and everything, I just try to keep myself together until I get my close up and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, okay, after whatever, but until then just stay super focused. Yeah. Those are great lessons. This is why I'm glad we're not doing audition rooms anymore, waiting rooms, because I, I hate actor conversations and just, I got to go find a place to be alone. And I can tolerate the actor conversations for a little bit, but then I've got to get out of there because it just goes on. And, and then it becomes about your agent and we're talking about our resume. And I don't want to be thinking about all that. I know. And you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because, you know, people that are just starting weren't really going out, you know, pounding that pavement like we were going to how many auditions a day driving all over the city. And it brings up a good point because I remember, you know how like when you are a lot of times in your category, so you see the same people repeatedly for certain auditions from your friends. And when they do and they see you, they come up to you and you're in the hot seat, you're on deck, you're about to be the next person in the room. Somebody sees you and they give you a hug and they want to catch up and talk right. on. And it's yeah. like, gosh, dude, I don't want to be rude, but I like, I can't concentrate right now and hear about, you know, your latest haircut. I got to go <laughs> and do, you yeah. know, that's what happens. And at the and, same time, this is also somebody like you may have invited to a show or an event or a message yeah, them and they never right. messaged you back. But now all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, hey. And you're like, dude. This is not the time or the place. Yeah. And a lot of times on sets, like yesterday, 
very nice woman came up to me and just started talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. <laughs> back in my mind, I was like, she introduced herself and everything. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to be exhausted before it's my time to say yeah. Because she, this lady is trying to literally drain you of, <laughs> of everything. Yes. She's trying to, I don't know what it is. And so yeah. then I got lucky, I kind of sequestered myself away and I don't want to be rude, but you have to think if you're there to do a job, like you said, yeah. you're there to not fuck up. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and it's also like social dynamics. I think now in my thirties, I've learned when to exit a conversation and when that's been enough and they won't be insulted if I walk away because there's nothing else to talk about and that's fine. Or you just go to the restroom, excuse yourself and then. Come oh Yeah. Place else and really play it up too. Oh, oh, I gotta go. I, I gotta go to the restroom. And then you never have to see her the whole day because then she'll understand. It's yeah. <laughs> nobody's gonna argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. What is it? I hope you're. I hope. Hmm. I know. Yeah. So the costume is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just a lot of, you know, things that happen on sets. I had another incident. This is a long time ago where I got cast with a regular accent because I, I don't have an Asian accent, I'm Asian American. And then after I got the job, they decided to make it have a Chinese accent. I don't have a Chinese accent and I was cast not having a Chinese accent. So then I had to go to the read through trying to do this Chinese accent. And I guess after the read through, they didn't believe it was believable enough. Oh, they were trying to recast it, but I was still coming every day for the rehearsals. And so I didn't understand if I was going to be replaced or not. And it caused so much stress. And then finally, I did get to do the job. And on the very last day, it was sitcom. So the last day when you actually shoot, you know, you rehearse through the day, through the week, Monday, you got your read through, then you rehearse. And then on Friday, you, you come in for the actual job. Then the executive producer, his, you know, anger or stress, whatever, it switched from me to this other guy. And I don't know why. And so this poor other guy got it that day. And we were all, we felt bad for him. And he was being threatened of losing his job on the day of. And we felt so bad for him, but it diverted away from me. And then after the actual shooting, it's like 11 o'clock at night, you know, on a Friday when you finally get done, the executive producer came up to me and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. It had nothing to do with you. Everything is fine. You know, I just thought at first the accent wasn't good, but everything was great. Hey, you know, come eat with us, everything. And I was like, I was so stunned and so shocked. I was like, you put me under stress for the whole week and it was nothing. It was nothing. I mean, oh my gosh. That's nuts. What was he saying that the guy was doing? Like, what was his that reason guy, for yelling at the guy? He said, you were giving away the joke to the guy. He goes, don't give away the joke. You're you're giving it away. If you give it away, we're just going to cut it. And you're not going to be a part of this. You're just not going to be a part of it. And so oh. we're just going to cut that whole scene. If you give it away. And this poor guy, I don't even feel like he was giving away the joke. You know how, like, you just say it and the lines are funny. You don't have to talk. Yeah. And I felt like he was really just saying the lines. And so the other guy that I was with, we were like, oh my gosh, we feel so bad for him because we don't even know what we're talking about. So that poor guy was under the gun and was oh under my the God. rest of the day. And uh, he did his thing. It's still in the sitcom. If you see it, he's still there and he was fine, but everybody felt bad for him. Yeah. And that day, the anger switched from him and he left me alone. And then that day, wow. at the end of the day he was inviting me to eat with everybody. And he yeah. was that's very sus. That's very sus. I, I don't know. I guess HR got to him. You know, they're like, hey, we can't say that, by the way. It's not, I don't know when this was, but I imagine it wasn't quite 
Twitter age yet, or maybe not quite where yeah, we are now. Yeah. Right. So that was, that's what you hear about. Cause I don't want to, you know, completely dismiss that. I mean, that's the problem. That's what we hear all races of actors other than white talking about that. This is what they've been through. There's a stereotype they want you to play. And, you know, people are literally saying, oh, it's not this enough. It's not that enough. And it's like, what does that even mean? That's what I mean. What is a more believable Chinese accent from somebody who, one, was born in America, two, I'm of Japanese descent, um, just because I'm yeah. Asian doesn't necessarily mean I'm Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Filipino, or, you know, Thai or whatever. You know what I mean? But they just automatically assume. It's, and it's long- very racist. I'm gonna, it's racist. It's racist. It's the fact that you're Japanese. And I mean, but also, how do they even know? This producer knows what a Chinese accent even really sounds like. Like, what? This white it's, guy, it's I'm assuming? Like asking, it, yeah, it was. And it may I mean, be my me saying, Justin, go ahead and do a Chinese accent. And you'd be like, no. oh, I don't you're not from China. And then I'd be well, like, just because I look like I am from another country doesn't mean that I am. I'm five generations into being an American. So why would you automatically assume that I'm going to be able to pull that out of my hat? There have been a couple of times that I always joke that I've had auditions with like, oh, bring your own kimono. I'm like, oh, oh my I God, I have wear my own kimono as if I have a kimono in my closet. Yeah, just naturally. Because yeah. apparently all Asian people have that, right? Have a kimono in their closet. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking, I'm kind of offended by that, thinking that I automatically have that. So, oh, just bring it. Just just wear it. Okay. That's so ignorant and disgusting. Fuck that shit. I know. And then I can pull any type of Asian accent of any type out of my hat. And I have been working on them. But, you know, the point is that I grew up here. But I don't think that they understand that. And that's still kind of here. And, you know, a lot of times, too, when I first started out, a lot of the roles were like, you know, masseuse or manicurist or, you know, geisha and all this. And I'm hoping that things are opening up now where it's not that way, where it's so stereotyped. The only reason why an Asian person was in a role had something to do with they had to be like from Asia. Yeah. Now it's like they can just be your neighbor, your friend. Yeah, now just being as opposed to a stereotype. Of like, you know, somebody who is owns a laundromat or something. And it, it's yeah. so crazy because there's just Asian people are everywhere just running around doing life like everybody else. But for some reason, I feel like we were stereotyped so much into that. You know, it's not yeah. like if you see an African-American person, they're going to automatically speak with an African accent, you know, on TV. But for some reason, you know, when I first started out, a lot of the only other person that I saw on TV all the time anyways was Connie Chung, you know? Yeah. He didn't see a lot of Asian people in the first place. It's true. You know, hopefully things are diversifying and and just you're an Asian person because you just happen to be an Asian person, you know, in that role. I remember when I was younger being in school, I grew up in the South too, and I still love where I'm from, but people would say in school, you know, oh, how long have you been in the country? You don't have an accent. Oh my God. That's, oh, that's South for you. I know. It's so crazy. Like they just didn't understand that. It's like, no, I'm, you know, we only know that the, the, the Asian people who say on TV. It's like, literally, they don't know. That's the only way they know Asian people is the stereotypes that they see. Right. And that's That's why that has to change. Yeah. That's why that has to change. I think what's really great, too, is recently all the changes that you see with the, because I look at the breakdowns, you know, and everything and the LBGTQIA community, which I think is great, is that there's so many more castings for that. 
Yeah. And it's so happy where you see, you know, couples and, you know, people doing things together and people going to Ikea and I think it's just wonderful and people having kids and, it is. and you know, having families and it's like, and then it's just more normal where I would say even maybe like five or 10 years ago, it wasn't. It was all cis. Yeah. Like that was it. It was all cis hetero. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and now you see same-sex couples with their kids in these ads. And I think it's awesome. And it should be there, you know? And it should be a point we're not even talking about it, that it yeah. should just be the norm. It's just norm. Yeah, it's just normal. The people saying, oh, we, they, I don't like that. Well, it's real. It's, hey, people have always been here, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just now we can just, everybody just be normal and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I my partner, he's not Asian. And a lot of times we go out for these, you know, they look for mixed race couples on, you know, the breakdowns. Right. And we look for like, oh yeah, I guess that's us. <laughs> we, forget. we don't think about it. So I yeah, guess. right. But to other people, I think when they look at us from the outside, I think maybe that's what they see or whatever, but we don't even, you know, yeah, even think about it. I can relate to that too. Yeah. I've never been like, I'm in a mixed race couple right now. I've never, yeah. it never crossed my mind unless I purposely was. You're in a mixed race couple. I was, you uh -huh. know, and I have, like, I've dated people of multiple races, but I never think about that. I never think I'm dating somebody who isn't white. <laughs> like, it's just never, yeah, it's just yeah. weird that I could like consider myself in an interracial relationship. That's so, That's weird. It's so weird. It's so it's weird. So weird. <laughs> it's so weird to think of that because we don't think of that. We don't wake up every morning and go have coffee and say, oh, we're in a we're in an interracial relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's so dumb. But I think for acting, though, sometimes it's good to know your niche, you know, because yeah. whenever you look at the breakdowns every day and and um, we have booked, you know, a lot as a couple. And so I guess, you know, hey, maybe it's this thing. So I'm I'm thankful for it, because even when they're not looking for that, sometimes when we come in as a couple, maybe we stand out because of that, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Do that audition. hundred percent. Yeah. And we like to work together. We love to work together. And so it becomes to an advantage, but I always say, you know, kind of understand and, and know your niche and be happy with it because acting is one of those things. It's one of those creative endeavors that nobody's going to sit there and help you. Nobody's going to sit there and do everything for you. Even a manager, they're so busy managing, you know, what, 20, 30 other people. Yeah. You do have a manager. Yeah. You do have an agent or whatever, but you're the one that's going to be doing the grunt work. Yeah. I mean, most of the things I've booked on my IMDb are things that I've booked myself. Yeah. Actually, and I would even say all of them. Yeah, all of them. See? Because if you, that's what I really started thinking about. I was like, okay, my manager represents this many people according to IMDb. So I know how long it takes me to get through everything. Now I'm timesing it by that many people. There's no way that they're going to spend that much time on my career. Yeah. And my agent can work the contract, you know, but, yeah. but aside from that, you're the one that's, you know, doing all the PR and yep. well, yeah, the breakdowns and, you know, you're the one pushing your career forward. So if you sit there, like some people that I know and expect just because they have good credits and they've been in the business a long time, they expect it just to happen for them that they don't need to do the grunt work in today's world. You do, or it's just going to leave you behind. You didn't tell me your worst day. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wait with bated breath. Oh, this is interesting. Hmm. Actually, I have a couple ones here. Mm. Oh, you made, you made a note. You have notes. Oh, yeah. I have. When I think of one, I'll just think of one randomly sometimes. I'll go, oh, there it is. You know, 
And I'll be like, oh, I just remember the time I did that. Oh, shit. And I'll write it down so I can pull them out. Hmm. Colty acting class. How's that sound? What happened? Actually, I entitled it the Colty sex acting class. Oh no. <laughs> See, oh, that, that puts no. a, that it, puts it's a lot, lot less generic with that. Yeah. But I had a manager and they told me to go to this acting school. We did this first exercise and they gave us scripts. They gave us like little scenes to do. I did mine and the, the teacher was like, what, what you need to do more. What, what are you doing? You're not doing anything with that. I was like, what do you mean? I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's, it just seems like kind of a natural interaction. Yeah. She's like, no, no, no. Uh, um, Al, uh, come up here and, and show, show this dude, show this dude how to do the scene, show him how to do the scene. And this guy came up and <laughs> he just kind of went nuts with it. He started yelling and it was like, and everybody laughed and was like, oh yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's how you do that. He was literally like, what? <laughs> <laughs> literally and i was what the fuck i guess it was an exercise to get us out of our heads but i was like i don't know what the fuck is even going on i don't know what so that was a weird intro and so oh then, then this person had a family member of theirs also teaching the class who actually looking at the yelp account for this acting school because i got curious a few weeks ago and was like what, what happened to that it turns out this family member had allegations. Really? Against them, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I remember seeing this person come in and hugging a lot of the female members yeah. of the class. You know, yeah. you could just tell it was like, okay, this is something. This is yeah. strange. Yeah. Because that's, I don't think I've ever hugged in any of my acting team. You know, I don't think I've, unless maybe like, grad, you know, graduation at the end of Hi. my acting school or something, but I've literally never had physical anything with a, an acting teacher. So I think yeah. the hugging is like, oh, this is an environment. So there was that. And I remember I did a scene, I got a scene from Good Will Hunting and I did it and I thought I did it well. And he was like, yeah, man. Oh, he just gave me some bullshit notes. Cause I was like, you're just here. Cause you're the fucking, you're related to the person who owns this place. And then at the end of the whole thing, we did, I don't remember what the hell they called it. It was the passion 15 minutes or like the fire 15 minutes or something at the end of this class. And so the head of the studio put on this boom, 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 this jungle music that was kind of sexy and whatever. Put it on and goes, all right, everyone, explore yourselves. There's no what? limits. Go for it. No. be acquainted with each other and so and we're paired with somebody he's like because we had to like find a partner for this because we don't know what the hell we're doing i'm like okay yeah you don't know what's partner. gonna happen yeah and this was happening boom, 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 boom. explore yourselves <laughs> and i swear to god it turned into like a fully clothed orgy i saw dudes getting way too physical with women who were not really comfortable with it and I'm like sure. grinding and like almost trying to kiss people. And the, but the whole room and me and my partner were just standing there like, yeah, we're not doing this. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, sorry, I'm not going to. And she was like, yeah, gotcha. Me neither. And I was like, thank you. And we were just like, yeah, all right. Me, me, <laughs> me, while all these people are basically just fucking each other. That's insane. And it finally ended. That was the end of the class. And I was like. 
I don't, I did, I just got the fuck out of there. I ran. I was like, fuck this shit. And I got, I was like, and I told my manager, I was like, don't send people here. This place is fucked up. I told them everything. And they were like, oh shit, we didn't even know. And I was like, I hope not. And yeah, to this day, I, I haven't gone back. And you know, what's crazy too, is that they kept calling me. Oh, I'm sure. They did it back. like cult style where I put my email and my phone on the sign-up sheet or whatever. And they kept calling oh, me, no. leaving messages week after week. Hey, come back class. We have a class this Wednesday. Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually I, I picked up the phone and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. And they were like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, okay. No worries. Okay, bye. Good luck. That's you know, so crazy. That's freaking crazy. Just because yeah. you never know. That's freaking nuts. You, it was nuts. And <laughs> mind you, this was like a Saturday morning to afternoon. You know, this is just what people are doing on a Saturday afternoon. What the fuck? <laughs> I should have stayed home. I was like, things you cannot unsee. What I don't understand is all the people that were actually participating. And it's like, I think maybe Everybody. they're like the mentality. They like felt like they had to do it and they got swept up in it all. Got swept up in it. Yeah. How many people yeah. were in the class? Oh, a fuck ton, like 30 or 40 or something. It was so many people. The whole room was full. Yeah, oh. they really filled it up. And even when we started, I was like, oh, you're trying to, it was manipulation. You know, I could tell even when we started, it was, oh, you're doing it wrong. And then I'll be, oh, I was doing it wrong. I should take this class. You know, they knew they had to. And yeah, I'm sure some of those guys were like, well, shit, I'm doing this wrong, but I can get some. And now, you know, they're probably all in jail. Who knows? I don't know. Like, and now they've all been charged. I, but it was, yeah. I was like, I'm not, this is not me, baby. I'm getting the fuck out of here. This is fucked up. But thank you for letting me share that. I was nervous to tell that story because it gets into me too stuff and all that. And so I don't want to make fun of it. But it's kind of the problem, isn't it? That even the fact that it's happening on this micro level in this acting class, no wonder it's happening on a major scale. Oh, yeah, because I told you about that other project I did a long time ago, way before the Me Too movement, and the director grabbed me, you know, in front of a bunch of other people. And so where the uh, AD came and apologized and said that they were so sorry and for me not to say anything. And at the time, I was it was a SAG project, SAG feature film, and I was so young that I didn't because I, at the time, I was so young, I didn't want to cause problems. Right. And they pulled me aside and apologized outside and everything. And it happened so quickly. I wasn't really quite sure what was going on. Yeah. And I, I told you, and the the wife of the director was such a nice uh, woman, still is today, a very nice person who I had become, you know, friendly during the time of the shoot that I also felt bad and confused on that. Like, should I say something or not? So I didn't. Looking back now, I should have. But I think when you're young, impressionable, and new in the industry, and things happen so quickly, you don't have time to process, and you don't say anything. Yeah. But you said, you know. But yep. at least I'm sure what happened to me has happened to a lot of people where you just get, huh? What? And you don't know what so, to do. It's like hindsight. It's yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, you're like, holy crap! I should have said something to sag, but I didn't. In hindsight, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I am so sorry that happened to you. And I think it's so fucked up that the AD apologized. Because he saw it. Yeah. They I know, but like, he's the one who apologizes for some fucking predator creep. Yeah. That? I think they did that because they were afraid that I could have, it's SAG, so I could have contacted, you know, a SAG rep or something. 
But I mean, you know, been in the business long enough, stuff happens. I've many other incidences throughout my career of stuff that has happened. And you just get stronger. You get stronger. And now if anybody were to come my way, you know, you just, you get stronger yeah. and stronger as you go. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad the Me Too movement happened because now if that happened, it's like, dude, that's it. And oh, you're yeah. fucked forever. If you do something, you know, hopefully it will be blackballed. Gone. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you shouldn't be here because you're exploiting people or using this business to exploit people or oh, yeah. for wrong reasons. I think it's another thing that you bring up is that no matter what, even though we're in the Me Too movement, that you still have to keep men and women both. You have to be aware. Yeah. We always have to be aware no matter what, because yeah, there are people that have, you know, ulterior motives in the industry and they can seem super nice and seem like they're there to, you know, help you or talk to you or, you know, whatever, guide you. But you have to be careful for their motives, too. Yep. I've had people that I thought were friends, you know, had ulterior motives. You just have to be careful. You always have to, you know, be friendly and be outgoing and all that, but also, you know, have that guard. Back. Yeah. Also, I yeah. always... Yeah, it may not look like I do, but I always do. Living in the city is exhausting enough as it is. Yeah. A lot of times it's, you know, pick and choose where you're going to put that energy because you only have X amount of little bites of energy per day, right? Yeah. You have X amount of time to put it somewhere. And it's up to you because nobody's going to tell you what to do, you know, because you're an actor, you're doing it on your own. So I always say focus in on the important stuff. It's not, it's more, my manager always said, the work is the most important. Don't worry so much about walking that red carpet and doing all that kind of stuff. They said that she goes, the work is what matters. Hmm. I, I love think, that. Yeah. And so I think it's important if you only have a certain amount of time and you need to learn those lines, you know, work on those sides, that's more important than necessarily going out. And I mean, it's good to network, but if you got a big thing coming up tomorrow, focus on that. You know, use that time wisely. Yeah. Because they may change the script on you. <laughs> <laughs> at the last I know. Hello. What are you working on right now? Well, I have a movie coming out. It's it's called Swallowtail and Dragonfly. It's a period piece. It takes place in the 1880s in mainland China. And I play the wife of a merchant. And I'm the evil stepmom to the actual main person. This is a biopic. It's based on a woman who was an artist in the late 1800s. And it was a time in China where women could not have professions or jobs or anything like that, mm. especially if you were in the aristocracy. And so I'm trying to push her down because I'm the stepmom and she wants to live an independent life as an artist. And this is an actual true story. And the actual family of this woman were involved in the making of it. So it's a beautiful, beautiful piece just gorgeous. So I'm very excited about it and got to wear all the, you know, the makeup and the hair and the outfits and everything from a uh, hundred years ago. So that was great. And then I did infamously in love. I play a, once again, the bad guy, I play the manager to a pop star who wants to just lead a normal life in a small town. And I try to bring her back to the city that's on up TV, which is the uplifting TV. Oh yeah. Awesome. I'm, yeah, so I'm the bad guy in that one too. But anyway, so those are coming out now. Oh, and then the one that I just did that I played the that I was telling you about that I had the horrible experience. So that one's not out yet. And that one's gonna be on the the major network. And that one's not out. But I am in that, although I doubt I'll be in anything past that because I fucked up. <laughs> so so that's coming out too, but I can't say what it is. Oh, and then I always forget. 
I'm the on-camera personality and the voice for the company Squarespace. Oh, no way. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's excited. And we got to go to Turkey and we got to go to Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia. They sent us to what was the former Soviet Union. Georgia, Russia. Yeah, we shot out there. That oh, was so nuts. cool last year. Yeah. And then I'd done the radio spots here in Los Angeles for them. So the radio spots and then the on-camera stuff and everything over there. So that's cool. So you can see that now. If you look like even on YouTube. I will, because I, I must have seen you and I've seen Squarespace ads all the time. So I've definitely seen you and didn't realize I saw you. Yeah, Squarespace, everything is one. I think it's called everything, but there's a bunch of the other spots. Where can people follow you on social media and stuff? Candice Keto one on Instagram is probably the best thing. I have an old site that's as old as the hills, candiskita.com. I'm going to try to overhaul it this year because nothing is new on it, but I'm going to try to. So if you want to look at that, if you never looked at it before, it's going to be new to you and I'm going to wipe it clean pretty soon and start over. So that'll be cool. But yeah, candiskita1 on Instagram is probably the best one. Instagram. Y'all follow Candice. I mean, what is she not doing? I don't know. You mentioned that you were worried you wouldn't get hired at whatever because of the show but it's you're gonna get hired like probably three times the amount that you are now so uh, oh, thank you. I so that you don't need them you don't need them you really don't you're getting hired so i think that's all that matters i guess just to keep moving forward keep you moving know, forward we can do you're doing go it back. but go back oh thank you so what an episode thank you so much for coming on and i'm what a guest i mean you, you so much, so much experience I'm glad. I'm glad. It was so much fun. This was special. Candace Keita. Woo!